I was going to start this by um, reading you an article that I found earlier that I think sets this up really well. So it was published in uh, The Hard Times. Don't know what that means. Excuse me. The the title is The Centre for Disease Control Warns Against Starting Podcasts While Quarantined. Oh no! Sorry, I do remember what you're talking about now. You do remember it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we are we recording at the moment? Are we? Yes, we are. This is live <laughs> and direct. Okay. AJ Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I'll read you a bit. The the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention released a statement earlier today warning citizens to abstain from creating any new podcasts during coronavirus self quarantine. During these long periods of downtime, it may be tempting to start a podcast with your roommates about classic TV shows, rating bad pickers, or even live-action role-playing games, said CDC spokesperson Kendra Adams. We ask all Americans to stay vigilant and resist the temptation to unleash something on our population much, much worse than the virus itself. Um, uh, so I think that's a good start for us. I can't tell if it's a piss take or not. I'm pretty sure it is. Fairly confident okay. it is. Is that weird? <laughs> oh no. Great. Okay. So. Yeah. Hmm. So that's a good. That's a good start. So in the, in the wake of in the wake of that article, uh, <laughs> we have decided to not only create a podcast, yep. but create a podcast about uh, business uh, and survivability of. Said panel, so we really kind of combined two evils there. Yeah, yeah, it's the best of both worlds. Hovis, not Hovis, COVID. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, <Jim>. Coronavirus <laughs> has already killed the brand of Corona beer. We don't need to bring Hovis. <laughs> Let's not drag anyone else down into this. Well, we did. The, we did actually. We have got two episodes of a podcast, but we've no. We have never had the chance to release them, and then this has happened. And if we take our time to release two other episodes, mm-hmm. by the time we actually got around to making this one, the whole thing would have blown over. So it's going to be yeah. a weird. So when we release like the other two episodes, they're going to sit in like a vacuum of everything's fine, mm. even though it's April. The good old days. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think what's interesting about all this is that it's like the amount of the amount of support and funding and money that the government is putting in already, and we're like not even at peak outbreak. Yeah, it's remarkable given the the speed of it as well. I mean, actually, if you, I mean, any number of infections and and, and things is, is too many. But if you look at how much money has been put behind this already and we're you know we're not even close to the peak from the sound of if, if the kind of information we've got is accurate we're you know we haven't really started and you've already got loans and, and rates relief and grants available um in anticipation um it's remarkable the kind of turnaround and honestly do you think do you think it's enough it's like three hundred and thirty billion, billion ish. That's a lot of money. It's like it's a, a lot of money, but it always sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? But I think uh, yeah. I don't know if we'll know until 
we see how, you know what, how easy is it to get your hands on that money how much of it actually gets claimed yeah and also the depths the depths of of difficulties that businesses actually start facing how long how long is this going to last is it cash flow relief or is it is it going to be kind of you know loss of revenue mm. uh, support what are we actually looking at i think if this mm. were to go on for too long then then any amount of money would would not be enough because um, there's different angles not angles on it different like things on on, on offer isn't there there are mm. loans which are like a year-long loan at a decent mm. interest rate i think um to help you with your cash flow issues and then those are those are basically to enable you to pay people and enable you to pay your suppliers but mm. then you need there's other support like small business rates relief you can get if you are already on small business rates relief yeah. you can get like a three grand grant which is obviously grant money you don't have to pay back it'd be interesting yeah. to see which one of those is like the most beneficial because i don't know you don't we don't quite know where businesses are going to be hit yet no but I think I must admit I think the, the speed of it has been, you know, um, sort of praiseworthy to be honest. Because the danger is with these sorts of situations that actually the uncertainty can be damaging as as the, uh, the the virus itself, and actually oftentimes the sort of economic ramifications of these sorts of situations are brought about mm -hmm. by the you know, the people's behaviours, not so much the actual virus and the actual sort of um, consequences of. of the medical emergency that we're in the midst of, but rather the economic emergency that, that follows it. Yeah, the, the the panic that we get from from people talking about the coronavirus is almost more damaging than the actual <laughs> virus itself, because we're not at peak outbreak. But I've already been to the supermarket twice, and there's been absolutely nothing there—stuff that you don't need on bulk or in yeah. panic buy mode or whatever. But there is like that level of panic is a really weird. That's really unpredictable. It's very strange. And the danger is you, you almost feel yourself going, I mean, I'm not somebody who's ever felt the need to panic by. Um, mm. I still don't. I, you know, I still don't think it's the right thing to do. Mm. And yet when you're in that environment and you're seeing the empty shelves, you, you almost have to quell that feeling of, well, if everyone else is doing it, um, maybe there genuinely won't be anything, um, which is obviously a real challenge. Um, what I would say... Um, is that in my experience local businesses uh, although they're the most vulnerable and they have the least in terms of resources to ride this sort of thing out in my experience so far they've actually been some of the best places to go in terms of you know a lot of them still do have all those things that you need uh, uh, i went yes. to my local supermarket as the first port of call to find the standard coronavirus scene of empty shelves and mm. slightly manic shoppers and then went to my local off license and they had everything. It was, it was nothing missing. It was, it was great. So I, I just it's a bit of a shame actually that everyone's first port of call is the supermarket. Were they, because I've seen some things online, so I'm just curious. Um, the little independent shops, were there anything, was there any like markups on products? Because I saw something online. Uh, I think it was on Twitter, and someone shared it. Some like local shop. They decided to um, quite <laughs> amazingly uh, raise the price of a bottle of Dettol, which is usually like two pound fifty, um, up to like twenty quid, <laughs> just wow. because of the demand for it. I told you about it, didn't I, Andy? It's yeah, you did. Ridiculous. Um, I was wondering. I haven't even ventured out yet this week. 
So I haven't seen anything in person. I haven't seen anything mm. yet, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised because it's one of those it's one of those kind of sad things, isn't there? There's always going to be people who try and take advantage of situations yep. like this. You get people who really step up to help, and you get people who try and take advantage of the situation. And like you can argue supply and demand, but when it's like an emergency, it's it's a bit. Well, it's just taking the piss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it is it is weird how how easy it is to get into like that panic mindset. Like when you're stood in like Tesco's and there's nothing there, it's a bit like, oh no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Even though there's actually still plenty of food in the shop because there's like some basics that I would normally buy that aren't there. You just kind of go, oh no, what am I going to do? And then panic, and it's like, no, actually, it's fine. There's still like twenty aisles of food here. It's an interesting one. It poses an interesting challenge as well because it's it's often easy to look at these situations from I mean from a business perspective. I mean as purely a, a nightmare a disaster but actually for a lot of businesses it's a huge opportunity yeah. yeah i mean obviously there are winners and losers in these situations i suspect manufacturers of hand sanitizer are not complaining mm. at the moment um and although that might be a sort of a bit of a glib throwaway comment actually there are a lot of businesses that can redeploy their existing resources in a way that allows them to see the, the crisis as a as a potential benefit, not just a, a crisis. Obviously, it's easier for some than others, but I've spoken to a couple of the businesses that, that I work with who are, who've taken the opportunity of, we've got people making their own hand sanitizer and selling it. And mm. a lot of it, you know, presents an opportunity for the most agile companies, the ones that are, are willing to actually look at the situation and, and try and see it as an opportunity. I think, the com- companies that we'll see struggle are, are the very rigid ones or, the, you know, the, the ones with very kind of set resources and a, and a sort of set value proposition who can't really change direction quickly or who have very complex supply chains. Um, in my experience, actually, the, the small businesses, although it's going to be really difficult for them because of their limited resources in their cases, they also have the agility and the flexibility to completely change direction and completely pivot and and find a way around in the short term yeah i think the amount of um uh like home workout adverts that i've seen in so <laughs> this is what my third or fourth day of working from home and now i'm yep. like i'm absolutely inundated with uh join our online course to do this workout at home and like stuck in self-isolation here's a workout for you and all that kind of stuff it's yeah. It's amazing how quickly some places can turn it around. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, and it's a shame because for some businesses, it really is very, very difficult. You know, if you, mm. you manufacture a very specific piece of equipment that just isn't needed at the moment, and all of your tooling and things are set up for that thing, it's going to be a challenge for sure. But I think it's going to really reward the businesses that can, you know, think a bit laterally and, and yeah, find a way to, to kind of, you know, still you know, do business with their customers. Mm. I think there's going to be an interesting boom in things like, um, like Netflix subscriptions and t- like online DVD rentals and mm. video game buy purchasing and, and everything like that. I think that's going to feel like a really sudden boom. I think um, communications platforms going to go through the roof as well. Things like Slack and Zoom and Google Hangout and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we might see something of a of a kind of um, ch- 
change in the way that companies operate as well and, and the way that we we conduct ourselves generally are there going to be lasting behaviors that, that continue past this crisis because sometimes you know there are things that i i now do totally differently out of necessity um that are gonna probably stay with me behavior especially if we're in this for months you know say it takes 30 days to develop a habit well if we're in this for a few months it may well be that, that society changes significantly out the, out the back end of this um you know how do how we do business may well change i mean for some businesses it will you know it's going to be a real challenge but for other businesses that, that can we can have most of your staff working remotely it may then beg the question well actually what resources do we actually need to be having do we need a central office can we can we have staff working flexibly or working remotely from home um mm. it may well cause people to look at how they do things and, and say well actually it was a it was a challenge but we operated through the coronavirus outbreak for months with everyone working remotely you know why are we paying the rent on this enormous office uh, or why you know why have we invested so much in, in x or y why do we do things this way um and actually i think it, it comes down to much more to do with sort of behaviors and skills than it does to do uh, for some people at least in, in what specific resources you have yeah i think some people will adapt really easily and other people won't i think it's going to be like a bit of a weird reversal because some people are very good at working from home or like home office or you know you meet people who are used to doing days at home or they're used to having a home office and doing stuff like that and then you meet people who have never ever not worked in like a big shared room with like 10 other people or something and then suddenly they've got mm -hmm. to go and sit in the kitchen by themselves it's a really interesting like yeah. mental experiment as well it is and i think for um i think for the people who are working from home it's a challenge certainly for me i'm, I'm used to being in an office full of people and being mm -hmm. able to talk and communicate immediately um i think for some people there are challenges sort of switching on and switching off beginning and the end of the day um some people might have issues with motivation and getting the job done but also there's i think there's a secondary issue of actually how do you manage a you know a decentralized workforce how do you keep on top of who's doing what and how far along are we in you know and i think we have time to kind of really explore and the necessity they say it's got necessity is the mother of invention well we're going to have to work out how to do that over the next few weeks um all of us you know how do you manage somebody who you, you haven't got visibility of and some businesses will have been doing this already some businesses will you know have no idea how to cope with it um i think it's going to be a really interesting challenge sam how are you finding it you're the one who's probably done well you both of you actually have done the most time remote working yeah. this week because you got sent home immediately on monday <laughs> um i think i told you earlier in the week i think kelly has noticed um i'm getting slightly more agitated mm. um just because i don't know i feel like i need some to be fair i haven't been doing anything to i feel cooped up at the minute um yeah. and i have got frustrated with like lack of human interaction so i'll just keep bothering everyone else and giving them a call like you um whenever <laughs> I can. um but um it's yeah it's just weird like it's but it's it's, it's like you said like we're not used to it right now we probably might get to the end of i don't know 
the end of all this in a couple of weeks or whatever it is and you know might completely um form new habits and actually prefer it in some ways um at the minute yeah it's, it's got better as the week's gone on i think um but yeah it's just the lack of any sort of human interaction and like when whatever there is it's not even face to face like i've been having like meetings over the phone or even on like zoom and stuff and it's it's not the same <laughs> it's just like it's completely different i just feel dis- disconnected um from the outside world really um it's an interesting one isn't it it's, it's hard sometimes to separate how much how much of what you're feeling is down to working from home mm. and how much is actually due to everything else because mm. it would be fair to say that this isn't necessarily typical working from home in that actually no Sam and I have not been able to leave the house because, uh, for anyone listening, um, we had a meeting with with a guy uh, a while ago, um, and the chap unfortunately rang up and said, I'm exhibiting some symptoms. Current advice was for Sam and I to both uh, self-isolate for a week, which we did, but but obviously the the upshot of that is not being able to leave the house, on top of also working from home is a slightly peculiar combination. and I agree, you do get a bit of cabin fevery, but I wonder how much of that would be That's alleviated it. by being able to leave the house or go for a walk or go to the gym. Um, you know, also things like getting a lot of local restaurants and you know nightlife, um, social events not happening. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of a lot of things sort of concurrently happening at the same time. I would say, I mean, the lions welcome. You know, yes. being able to roll out of bed and you know, not really have to worry. I mean, I have been getting dressed properly because I don't know if I could, um, <laughs> don't know if I could cope um, or switch on necessarily if I was in my pajamas. But you know, knowing that actually I don't necessarily have to is quite nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I I haven't been. I was, I was sent a picture to the group chat the other day. I had, a, I had a Skype call, so I just put a shirt on, but I still had my uh, jogger shorts um, on, the, on the bottom half. Uh, people can people can see, and my Sonic the Hedgehog slippers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I saw something. Oh, I can't remember what it was on. But it was like, oh, to like maybe something that people should be doing. Like even if you're wearing like completely just I don't know, lounge clothes anyway, like not getting completely dressed, but just put some shoes on at least so like it's not like you're gonna walk around like it's something stupid but um you're not necessarily gonna be in the office like with your you know in your socks or your slippers or something yeah, yeah so true. even just putting having some shoes it's on. a habit thing as well it's like having that yeah. separation like, for me it sounds weird but it's been making my bed every morning um it's like a, a right you know that's my home time finished because my office is in my bedroom hmm. for some reason if i feel like my bed's yeah. unmade it feels yeah. like I'm still kind of lazing about. Yeah. As soon as I make my bed and it looks tidy, I suddenly sort of feel like I'm ready in, in work mode. It's very odd, but I think you have to yeah. find those bits of separation somewhere. It's, it's not easy. Um, I also feel, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe alone on this, but I feel like a certain pressure to get more done because mm. I'm not visible. That's interesting. 
Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, my, my worry would be, and, you know, I've, I've got uh, somebody who I need to keep, you know, aware of, of what they're doing. And for me, I'm aware that I want to know what they're doing. So it kind of translates to me as going, well, I need to let my management know what I'm doing. Um, but maybe that's just me. Do you think that there is increased communication between you and like your chain then, even though now you're remote? I would say it's probably similar. Uh, it's different. It's, yeah. I would say it's more deliberate and more efficient because mm. I, if I'm communicating with them, I'm making, I, I have to take steps. I have to call them on Slack or I have to give them a ring or text mm. them. So it's pre-planned and it's less lazy. In an office, you can swing around yeah. and not have even thought about your question before you've asked it, or you could sort of chat about nonsense, or you could get distracted. And I'm quite distractible, as, as you both know. Um, very distractible. And actually, actually, for me, having the ability to, or the requirement, if you like, to, if you need something, you, you have to communicate it in a, you know, you can't just send a really long, you could, but you wouldn't send a really long rambling Slack message about what you did at the weekend necessarily. No. You, you, you just say, I need this information. Do you think, okay, so that's more efficient, but do you think that that actually damages like our ability to interact as humans? Uh, that's a difficult one. Is it hard to know after a week? Oh um, well, yeah. I think the technology is amazing and I think I've, I've taken it for granted until now mm. and you suddenly realize how much the technology can do now yeah that's true and, and i mean we're, we're quite lucky in the sense of what we do is quite information based and you know a fair bit of my role has been affected by not being able to physically be there but there's still a good chunk that i can do remotely and it is remote you know with video conference calls and things like that actually for that chunk there's an enormous amount that you can still do um, and I don't think I fully appreciated what was possible. Uh, but I'm a bit of a dinosaur with technology. <laughs> but I suppose, you know, in my head, there was like, oh, you can video call people, there's Skype and FaceTime and all those sorts of things. And then you can do video calls and Slack. But actually, there's some of the kind of interesting ways we've had meetings or, you know, kind of brainstorms and things in the office have been really interesting. Yeah, like uh, we... And, and kind of... Yeah, it's just remarkable. Right. Well, we had our like big team meeting earlier, and mm. there was no need for any of us to be on video, but all of us were. Yeah. And we never discussed that we were going to do that. No. Do you know what I mean? It's just an interesting like human thing that it's like, well, I'd like to be able to see everyone, and therefore everyone should yeah. be able to see me. I wonder, it'd be interesting to know what the difference is when a business is used to being conducted face-to-face. And is forced to go remote, yeah. As opposed to a business that has always been remote. Whether, whether yeah, I'd be really interested to, to find out. You know, had we always worked remotely, would we still want to see each other as much? I mean, we're quite fortunate, <laughs> but we're a reasonably close knit team. We get on very well, and we, you know, we do a lot socially outside of work. Um, whether that's a, a consideration in people desire to be on video and to physically see people I don't know yeah I think what's going to be interesting as well is when we when we go back because we don't know how long it's going to be mm. 
we going to reach the point where we're so used to, like I'm so used to being sat in my dining room at the table that suddenly actually being in the office is going to be really strange. And I think because it, like it's literally been me and Molly for however many days I've been home, I've not seen another human. Yeah. Like in like physically. So then how am I going to cope when there's eight people in the room all day? <laughs> like is that just going to freak me out? <laughs> It's very odd, isn't it? And yet, it doesn't take a very long time before your behaviours start changing. Mm. Um, one of my sort of things I've picked up on is screen time-wise. You know, I've actually, I've never particularly worried about screen time ever in my life. Mm. And for the first time, I'm suddenly thinking, well, hang on, like, I work in front of a computer all day. Yeah. And because I'm self-isolating, I don't have that face-to-face social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm then going on my phone or I'm going, I'm watching telly and it's like, well, almost all of my waking time is in front of the screen. Yeah, it's um, bad really. But even like the meetings we're having now, whereas usually that would yeah, be everything. a break from our computer in like normal yeah. working day. It's now being done via a computer. Um, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not really getting a break from it. <laughs> But then, like, even on our, even on my lunch breaks, yeah, I'm yeah. going to I'm choosing to go and look at a screen. Yeah. Um, I'm not, it's scary, yeah. isn't it? Really. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> because you can't you can't go anywhere, so it's not like it's not like you can finish working at home for the day and then walk down the corner to the pub or go down the road to a coffee shop or something like you know that's the the whole point of isolating ourselves is to not have that interaction with people. So then, like, like Molly comes home from work and it's like, what should we do? It's like do you want to watch something on Netflix? Yeah, great. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like what we're watching, but it is, it is kind of a weird, you just go from a screen to a screen to a sleep to a screen. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a habit as well. As, you know, you yeah, start definitely. to become, you know, dependent. Your I think your attention span changes. <clears throat> Sorry, your attention span mm. changes. Um, and, you know, I'll find myself flicking through utter nonsense. Yeah. And I'll suddenly realise that I've spent ages doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, for some reason I have a, that compulsion to keep scrolling, like, even though I've spent all day on a computer or, or what have you. And I think a lot of it just comes down to habit and mm. you know, and that sort of thing. But it, it does does beg the question: you know, what are the what are the consequences of of actually you know having that working from home? not being able to leave being isolated um yeah i'd be very interested to know what the sort of psychological effects of that are yeah definitely i mean what what happens with people's like mental health and mindfulness and well-being and everything like that because when when you have people in work you can kind of see when they're not okay and you can get from the way you speak to them but someone could just be busy all day and not talk to you or someone could be yeah. not in a good place but don't know how to like verbalize it or call you or you know send you a message or whatever and you wouldn't know because you don't see them right. and if they're remote of course there's you know there's just nothing for that to escalate and get worse it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's such a difficult one yeah and like eight and a half hours or however long your day is it's actually a really long time by yourself definitely I think um, what's interesting is the the way we communicate now. Like our our like company Slack channel has gone from <laughs> from like just being a place where we do communication across places. People that aren't there 
and a place to put ideas that we leave them. So it's 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 every bit of communication we do now. Like we're completely dependent on it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's the change the change of the nature of that communication as well. Yeah. yeah. We are dependent on it, but also everything that we say is then logged there. So you know, it's not just for work stuff. It's you know, we have social channels in there, things like that. You know, so actually, whereas you know, you know, general chats and stuff are saved in there forever. Mm. Um, it's a weird, and obviously they're in text form as well. Mm. So you know, if you're just having a general conversation with with people in a room, you've got a lot more data to work with. You've got kind of body language and how people are generally and how they're speaking. Which you don't have with with we're written, you know, kind of mm. text speak. It's much harder to find out, you know, how somebody is or how a message that you've given has been received or whether it's been yeah. understood. Yeah. Um, it's really it's a real strange thing to adapt to, um, and I think deceptively so as well because we're so used to sort of text communication in our other, other facets of our lives. You know, we've, we've been texting for, for ages. Uh, emails have been around for ages. Mm. Um, so it doesn't seem like a massive step. It's something we're familiar with. But actually replacing the face-to-face uh, is, is huge. Yes, and one thing that I never thought would happen but has, and it's quite weird, is when I've called people who I would never normally call because I would normally see them mm. today, suddenly like oh their voices sound weird and it's not weird as in like strange just weird as in i, I realized i'd never heard them on the phone and i'm so used to seeing them and eye contact and body language and all that stuff and then suddenly even a phone call is very different mm. and it's like oh this is strange i never thought about this before yeah also i think with, with phone calls there's a certain uh pressure to get get to the point yeah true <laughs> If you call someone I said up, that, I said, I, yeah, I said that to um, Andy yesterday. I had a meeting, which we've been trying to get booked in for months. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. due to all this now, okay, let's just have a phone call. And I got through, I made some notes beforehand. I was like, oh, you know, it would have been, I don't know, at least a couple of hours, you know, one hour meeting or something. I just bish bash bosh through all my points like, straight away. I was like, okay, so um, now what? <laughs> just <sort> of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. Isn't it? I mean, it'd so be great. interesting to know what the, what the difference would have been. Well, you know, yeah. would you have got higher quality output from a yeah. from a face to face, or or actually, is it more efficient doing it on the phone? I mean, I find, and I'm a reasonably chatty guy, as you mm. both know, um, and I find that, that phone calls have a kind of a shelf life almost, depending on the gravity yeah. and the, the complexity of what you need to discuss with somebody. I'll find there's a kind of an appropriate amount of time for a phone call to take. Yeah. And if you're just if you're calling for something inane, which I very often am, um, actually, if you're on the phone for twenty minutes and your phone call has kind of added zero value, you start to feel, oh, I really should get off the phone, and it's a kind of subconscious mm-hmm. thing. Um, likewise, if you're if you're calling about something complicated, I think that shelf life is extended, of course, but I still feel that there's, there's less. I don't know, there's less yeah. room for a breath than there would be in a meeting room. I often find sometimes in meetings, you've almost got the opposite problem, where is there, where there's this sort of everyone's there, everyone's made the effort to be there. And sometimes I've, I've been in a, in a meeting and it's felt like 
okay, this this is the natural end point of this meeting, and yet nobody mm. has ended yes. it. Yes. So I found some meetings that have gone on for maybe an extra 20 minutes purely because nobody's officially ended the meeting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if either of you have felt the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting because doing, doing what we would normally be doing on the phone, like getting to know a new business and how we can help them or whatever, suddenly it's, there is like this, there's like this unwritten question that's like, what do you want? Yeah, it's just like hovering over you the whole time, and you're like trying to make conversation. Which is which is weird because obviously what we do is so uh, collaborative, and actually, in my experience, that when when I when I have a business come to me and speak to me, actually the, the best conversations I have are when the support conversation, you know, the, the what can I do to help conversation comes about organically yes. of another just a social conversation really yeah um the, the businesses that i know the most about the most sort of intimately are businesses mm. that i interact with regularly and just have chats about and it's it's never a you know kind of phone call helpline scenario where i'm sort of you know tell me about your problems it's always a okay so what's going on you know how's it all going um and it it turns into a business conversation organically yeah, yeah. Um, yes i think it's one of those things that it's an interesting experiment on like a mass scale because everyone's in the same boat it's not like it's not like we work from home and we call people interact with people who aren't almost everyone that i have spoken to the first bit is like how are you doing are you going slightly crazy have you got cabin fever like that's like the very first bit but then like everyone's in that same boat so then i think it's going to be interesting how we then transition out of that because i think there are going to be places that go like actually we don't need an office for 20 people we we coped fine yeah. two people were here and then they mm. you know they might push people out towards the towards working remotely and working from home and then we'll have like a i think we'll have a much higher percentage of people working remotely after this is over and mm. like, most people, who, people haven't, who haven't felt the need to return it's, yeah 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 like what's the point especially of coming with, back? with people like with people like councils and places like that where i know they already do a lot of hot desking and things mm. like that but actually you've got masses and masses of people or you know i i think there's huge sort of potential there to you know to take a big step in doing more and, and, and the ramifications are drastic i mean if you look at things like congestion, transport, emissions, all that sort of stuff of, that, that is basically caused by people moving around um, yeah. largely to get to work. And I yeah. don't know the numbers, but I would but guess if we look at how much of uh, traffic is commuting as a percentage, I would bet it's a sizable chunk. Yeah. Um, and you look at things like social mobility and, uh, and you know, why are some areas, you know, you know, look at house prices in certain areas. Oh, well, because there's no work here. Well, why is there no work there? I mean, we're, we're a Norfolk-based company, and I think pretty much everyone who works for us is based either in Norfolk or Suffolk. Um, and we often talk about the, the sort of second paycheck, the, the low house prices and all, all that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, the perception that, well, there's, you know, there's not a lot going on or, you know, you're decentralised. Unless you're in Norwich, there's there's not a lot going on. But, you know, well, I'm based up at 
Scotto, which is the old airbase, as you both know. And on paper, we're a bit out of the way, sure. But with technology now, it never feels like it. I mean, this, this podcast is being recorded in three separate locations at the same time. Um, you know, each each of those locations at least 20 minutes from, from each other. Um, actually, what are, what are the lasting sort of potential benefits of demonstrating that actually a lot of businesses can employ remote employees and it shouldn't be an issue, it shouldn't be a barrier? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether whether after this there is less like rural deprivation because mm. that's kind of the typical thing, isn't it? That if you live far away from the big hubs of work, then it's much harder to get jobs. But then if everyone's working from home, there's no argument against that anymore. No, and I, and I think you know actually being in Norfolk is you know is interesting and i think for me one of the things i've kind of learned to appreciate and we're quite lucky in the sense that you know we do work in a job that can be done remotely in this scenario yeah. and plenty of people aren't so lucky oh yeah um and, and you know that's going to be really really difficult over the next few months but actually i think for us i think it's it's actually really important to look at how, yeah, how can we help people in our area? You know, we, I speak to uh, employment providers and trainers. We work with um, a company that deals with apprentices quite a lot, and they often talk about, okay, now how can we get apprentices working and, and you know, in, in touch with companies if they can't drive? Yeah. Um, you know, how do you get around that? Or if you, you know, if you're talking about social mobility and, you know, or people who can't afford to drive, mm. well, on paper, the Norfolk, is ideal because house prices are, are, are low and cost of living is low, but it's also quite far apart from itself. It's it's decentralised, so there is a need to drive in a lot of Norfolk, uh, and actually this is potentially a solution to that problem because you've got the, the comparatively low cost of living. If you can work remotely, then actually what you could see is a kind of de-urbanisation as people start to realise that there's potentially a better deal uh, in rural areas. And when we talk about rural areas, I mean, it's not quite how it used to be. I mean, even Norfolk, which I think a lot of people characterise as a very slow, rural, bit of a kind of, a, you know, nothing's going on there county. Mm. And yet, actually, it couldn't really be further from the truth. Yeah, sure, it's not London, but, you know, we've got tech companies we've got you know aerospace engineering going on we've got the film industry over at hethel you've got companies like lotus you've got some really clever stuff going on still plenty going on um and i just think combined with the, the sort of opportunities it's, you know it's going to be really interesting to see how society changes post coronavirus but then i guess the and you made a good point about companies that can't go remote hmm. what do they do well i think i think there's always going to be an element of that i mean there are going to be uh companies that always you know in situ you've got you know the the trades for example you you know you, you're not going to be able to build a house remotely very easily but that's not to say that there are certain functions of businesses that, that can be done remotely you know i think we might see certain roles 
that can be done from anywhere and other roles that, that can't. And actually, if we're looking at social mobility, then it's, it shouldn't hopefully be too difficult to, to look at, okay, these are the roles that suit somebody who wants to work remotely or who isn't in a position where they can move. And hopefully we can steer people towards those those jobs that work. And there's always going to be a demand for, you know, builders, electricians, plumbers who are going to need to be there um, or engineers or what have you who are physically working in a location. Uh, I don't think that's going to disappear. But I think actually creating a situation that's as flexible as possible is beneficial to everyone. So how do those places that are very, very physical, like in-person physical, survive the next two months? Uh, that's a difficult question. I think <laughs> when you're talking about survivability, it's it, it's a very difficult one. Um, the, the downsides are fairly obvious. You've got cash flow issues. Everyone's holding their breath. No one's wanting to spend any money. Everyone's a bit in panic mode. Um, on the flip side, within certain industries and within certain trades, everyone's in the same boat. So you're unlikely to find situations where one competitor has an enormous advantage over another in the coronavirus situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fairly non-discriminatory uh, force majeure, if you like. Um, that being said, it's going to favour the most flexible and the most agile companies who can change their policies as quickly quickly as possible. Um, I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see which which trades thrive and which suffer, because there, there will inevitably be winners and losers. It's easy to focus yes. on the losers because obviously that they're the, the, the ones we want to protect and we want to help uh, who need support, and those are the people certainly that we'll be dealing with on the day-to-day basis, but there will also be winners, people who take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. Um, I think we mentioned earlier on, companies making hand sanitizer are going to be rubbing their hands, literally. Um, Very good. <laughs> sorry, that was That's dreadful. I've been saying that. Sorry, to you. Yeah, it's dreadful. Um, I've been waiting all week for that. Um, but, but seriously, you know, there, there are going to be these, these situations where it's, it's adapt or die, unfortunately. Definitely. Uh, and that's sort of always the case in business, to be fair. Mm. Um, mm. It's just right now the stakes are higher and, the, you know, it's going to happen quicker. Um, but I think the, the companies that, that take this downtime, which we're in at the moment, we've got that kind of moment where everyone's trying to work out what the impact is going to be and they've got the time um, to actually take a step back and go, right, what, you know, how, how do we plan for this? What, what, how can we take advantage in some way? And it's going to be much more difficult for some than others, absolutely. But there are opportunities out there. Um, and for some businesses, it might mean doing something completely different. Mm. Uh, like I said, we have, we have a company that I work with who are making their own hand sanitizer and selling it. Uh, they, they don't do anything to do with hand sanitizer. That's not their business at all. They saw an opportunity and they, and they went with it. So um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what people do. 
it's like for companies who are versatile and agile and can kind of pivot essentially with what they're doing it's an opportunity but then i think there's also going to be a really large number of people who are still in panic mode and we're maybe a week into the the kind of increased severity of it since we've been having daily briefings um i think the the Part. I don't think all of it is whether you can adapt. I think a big chunk of it is how long do you spend in panic mode or like how long do you spend reeling from the impact? Yeah, and we don't know how effective like this support is from the government no, exactly. that they've outlined how that's going to go yet yeah, until it's like launched next mm. week. Yeah, um, I don't think we don't know, know what sort of effect that's actually getting the money. Yeah. yeah, so we, yeah, we don't know at the minute um, whether like that 330 billion, whatever that was announced, is that going to be anywhere near enough? We don't. It's hard to say at this point. Um, so yeah, we're just in massive uncharted territory at the minute. Everything's just a bit mad. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, the, the main thing is there is there is support out there. Um, oh yeah, you've got obviously the government funding. I mean, our our for the funding that you know the idea funding that that funds the breakthrough project that we're all a part of is still is still there. And I think for for businesses it's really important that they take advantage of, of what is still there and plenty has changed that's for sure but also plenty hasn't changed mm. there's plenty of, of stuff that's that's always been there um i know even in the last couple of days i've had a couple of emails from people going you know what you know what does this mean yeah and from my perspective the answer is well it's going to be a, it's going to be difficult but you really need to lean on the support that's there and, and use it um you know, the very clear comparison would be, you know, we have a healthcare emergency, the NHS, everyone is, is leaning on the NHS, and the NHS is absolutely swamped. Mm. Um, I think we're going to see a similar sort of business crisis. And the good news is there is plenty of resource out there, there's plenty of business support resource out there um, for businesses to lean on, but they need to use it. Because um, not all support is financial. That's the other thing, you know, mm. the, you may find that the level of financial support that's required can be changed by approaching the, the crisis differently. Mm. Um, so, that, that, I mean, that's that's what I would say. It's actually that, you know, to businesses that really take advantage of the support, whether it be government grants or whether it be advice or sort of just, just general kind of strategy or help or training, whatever it might be, um, use it because it's there, um, and in many cases, it's, it, it doesn't cost anything. Mm. Does anyone else have any other thoughts on coronavirus or anything else they want to share about remote working and going insane at home? Um, uh, I don't think I do. I think I've, I think I've spilled my guts. <laughs> great name for the, great name for this. <laughs> Spilling off his cats. I don't think we're very, very good. Um, very nice. No, no. Like I say, it'll be interesting to see how we all descend into madness over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I wonder what this is going to be. Like come after six weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I, I feel like. I don't know how much. Yeah, what's what's going to happen? Fingers crossed, everybody, and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Excellent. Right. We'll call it a day there then. Right. Okay. Right. Cheers.